It's the Questions Hip Hop Podcast, and my name is Sean Kantrowitz, and let me tell you something. I love doing this podcast. I love that there's an audience for it, and that you have all been listening, and sharing, and rating, and reviewing, and all that good stuff, but I gotta be totally honest. I would probably do this even if absolutely nobody listened. And why is that? Well, because I just like talking and obsessing over all things music, and I just so happen to have found that other people are also into this sort of thing through the questions over the years. But I would do this even if it was just me talking to myself like a maniac, or if it was me talking to my very close friends, because that's what we do, and that's part of why we're friends to begin with. Midas the Beast is my friend. For a lot of you who listen to this podcast, your only reference point for Midas could be that he's the co-host of the Making Elmatic series, but some of you may also know that he's truly a gifted writer and MC, and he's been putting out very dope music for the better part of the past two decades. I've known him for just about that long, and we've been friends. We've been musical collaborators. We've been all over the country together. And even though I count him as one of my closest friends, I also am constantly in awe of his writing and his artistry. He also has, in my opinion, one of the best voices on the microphone, podcast or otherwise. So he and I were talking, and we both realized that this is a pretty notable time for him and for me. I just published the Questions Hip Hop Trivia card game through Penguin Random House. It's available wherever you get books or games, as well as at questionshiphop.com. And Midas just dropped his latest album, The Devil's Playground, which is a collaboration with producer Deli Digga. So we thought it would be cool for us to interview each other and talk about these two projects that we've both been working on for so long, and to do it in a way that is maybe different than other interviews because he and I know each other so well. And the original intent in my mind, at least, was going to be that this was going to be one episode. But if you've ever listened to podcasts with Midas and I, you probably already know that we can talk, like, a lot. So this is actually going to be a two-part episode. And this is kind of a looser interview-style type conversation. But for all intents and purposes, this one is largely Midas interviewing me about the questions. Some of the stuff I've mentioned before on other podcasts and some of the stuff I don't think I've ever talked about to anybody. So I think you're going to enjoy this one. And then next week, I'm going to be talking to Midas all about the Devil's Playground and everything else that got him to the point that he's currently in in his career. Before we do that, I want to tell you all that if you're in the Los Angeles area, there are two events happening over the next couple weeks that you should definitely come check out. This Thursday, February 9th, we are doing a celebration of Jay Dilla at Delicious Pizza at their Hollywood location on Sunset Boulevard. It's a live Dilla-themed trivia game brought to you by The Questions as well as the Boom Bap Kids, who are going to be co-hosting and providing their puppet magic to the whole experience. We're also going to have live DJ sets. I think we're getting some special drinks there just for this event. They're going to be Dilla themed. And we also are going to have signed paperback copies of Dan Charnas's incredible Dilla time book that you can win in the game. And there's also going to be some special guest appearances from some of Dilla's collaborators and colleagues. And best of all, it's free. You can go to questionshiphop.com to find out more or check out either of our social media platforms that we frequent, which would be The Questions Hip Hop on Instagram. And on Twitter, we are at Questions Hip Hop. 
And then on Friday, February 24th, we're going to be doing it for the good doctor himself at Dre Day LA at the Echoplex. This is an annual celebration of Dr. Dre, and this year is no different. Live DJ sets from Battlecat and J-Rock, nothing but Dre-related music all night, and the questions in the Boom Bap Kids are going to be running our very own $20 sack pyramid, and it's all Dre-related. You are not going to want to miss this, and it will almost certainly sell out, so go to DreDayLA.com to copy your tickets. So come to those events if you can, order the game if you haven't already, and enjoy this part one episode that we are going to call Midas versus Sean. Here we go. Who did it first? Who did it best? Who did it worst? That's the question. Who rapping there? That remix and what happened when? That's the question. Let me ask you a question. And if you ain't knowing these, then my guy's knowing what you need. Some answers to the questions. So, so Shaw, who, who did it first? Who did it best? Who did it worst? Uh, okay, good. I'm glad that you followed up with that because that's an important detail that a lot of people sometimes overlook. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, I want to start at the top, right? So, from my perspective, uh, you, oh, son of a bitch. Not, I'm hot as shit. So, hold on. God damn it. Keeping all of this. I was going to try to work through it, but it, no, wasn't, it no. wasn't going down. You got to trust your gut on this. All right. All right. So, from my perspective... Um, you know, you, you, sometimes, uh, Sean, you can, sometimes you can be a little like, I'm working on something. I got an idea for something and, and not really be like full into detail about what you're working on or what you got, what you got moving. So from my perspective, the way that the questions, um, kind of, and, and, you know, I was going through some things at, the start of 2020, which is really uh, the era of that really jumping off in a real way. I know you had started a little bit before, um, but you you just kept saying like, yeah, I think this, I, I got this questions thing and I think it's going to, it's going to start doing some stuff. So kind of take me back to the impetus, to the the beginning of the, the, the questions concept as far as doing the live game uh, that you were doing and, you know, let's let's start there because I think it's an interesting story to be told. You're absolutely right. I am obsessed with not revealing. I think I was basically <laughs> scarred by years of reading source magazines about albums with coming in the fall, you know, coming soon. And then a lot of these albums never dropped. We had to wait so long for like the badass album. Or, yeah, yeah, you know, that, yeah. it's, it's just one. So I've always been in all the projects I've done, whether it's like music and albums or other things, I really like to cook and have it tested and then do another batch and, and just make sure that it's really ready to be presented before I ever say anything. Cause I, right. I, I, I just don't I just don't like I don't like talking about it because for me I know nobody cares as much as I think that they care or I care about it myself but I don't want the egg in my face to like for anybody paying attention to be like oh yeah you said something and uh what uh 
what happened with that? You know, like that's just I I don't know where that comes from specifically, but we'll just say well, it's you know, the source ads. After this pod, if you want to if you want to lay on the couch and maybe we can talk about this in a different <laughs> way. I'm I'm here for you, bro. I appreciate that. And we we've, we've gone through a lot of that process as well with, you know, the music that you've no worked on and that we've worked on and we'll talk about all that later too, but mm-hmm. the genesis for the game really came from my friendship and connection with uh, my cousin, DJ Steve Wonder, and another friend of ours, DJ Spider, who they've known each other for a long ass time. And I was introduced to them and started kind of getting into Steve's world once I had moved out to LA and was kind of just getting settled and figuring it out. And, you know, I remember us being at his apartment that he had at the time and sort of talking about the idea of doing a trivia night and wanting to do something that took the idea of a trivia night, but also made it kind of improved upon the design, I would say. Mm. Make it that it's a little bit more interactive and feels more contemporary, where it's not just pieces of paper and number two pencils writing down your answers. Right, right, right. right. I've been to those, and those are fine, but, you know, it sometimes feels like a little you know, out of time, I I suppose. And then also doing it in a way that most most trivia people are trivia people first, it would seem, and then they attack a subject. And we were coming at it from like, well, we are fucking hip hop people. We are obsessed with, you know, (laughs) these are two DJs and like I I have all of my history as a journalist and as a musician and as a producer. So we're like, let's take this and attack it because we're going to bring an angle and a perspective to it that doesn't exist in this space. And so, yeah, we, we true to form for what you just said, we spent many months, you know, pacing around in a living room and figuring out what would it look like? How would we do it? What would the rounds be? And yeah, that was, it was in 2018 that we, I believe did our first one. We did it at this bar on Fairfax in, um, in Hollywood and it was a it was pandemonium. We knew mm. somebody who was. Uh, it was pandemonium just, out the gate, like from the first. Well, no, it, I I say it was literally pandemonium, and that we were doing it in a very loud, chaotic bar that would have been chaotic regardless, and a lot of foot traffic coming in and out, and not a stage. So we were just kind of in a corner ah. that was near the entrance. So it was it was just chaos. But but there was promise in it that that definitely felt okay. We're on to something. And then we eventually moved to a more permanent residency. The first that we had in Highland Park at this um, venue called Blind Barber, which is a speakeasy inside of a barber shop. Mm. So you go in through the barber shop, and they have them across the country. There's a few, but there's a secret door that takes you back into a bar behind the barber shop, and it was a little uh, bit some more LA chill. Shit, man. Yeah, so, well, but no, they got them in New York and Chicago as well. Oh, some big city uh, shit. Yeah, okay. some big city shit. Yes, you. yes. Uh, but hey, look, I remember going to speakeasies in Orlando. There's, there's yeah, a few. but none with secret doors. Sons yeah, no, nah, sorry. So yeah, that was sort of the genesis of doing the live events. So so here's the here's the funny thing about that, right? No, nowhere in there was the lot like in your head at this point, it's this is just a live event. Like Well I, I know you're a forward thinker, but yeah, so, was this was this like a a trajectory of because I feel like in the heart of this story that we're that we're kind of embarking on, this is a this is there's a there's a COVID story. That that lives in 
kind of both of these conversations that we're having, there's a COVID story. So like, was this one of those things where like, this is a this is an album or excuse me album. This is a a, a concept that's totally going straight on this direction. And then, hey, there's this crazy thing that happened and then new ideas popped up? Or was there always like, hey, we could do this, then we can do that, then we can, you know what I mean? It, yes, I think that there was very much a trajectory that I envisioned and that we, we had talked about doing where this would be a dope TV show. And maybe this is ah. a great way to do that. And, you know, I had just come off of starting to work, you know, when I moved to LA in 2014, I was doing a lot of music stuff. I was like real wrapped up in the aftermath world where I was working with the, the artist who was signed there and right. um, did some tour managing and, and, you know, studio sessions. And, you know, I've continued to do music throughout all that time, but it was around 2016 or 17 that I started to work on TV shows. And mm. I worked on um, a TV show that was very hip hop centric that, you know, uh, had Method Man as the host and DJ mm. Newmark as the DJ. And that sort of opened my eyes a little bit to like, okay, I don't think that what this, what we're plotting could necessarily be as broad as that. I still think that there is a degree of, of nicheness that, uh, you know, broadening it too much might dilute it. Um, but who's to say I, I'm, right. I'm open to it, but yeah, the, the eye on the prize for me was like, it'd be cool to do something in the television space. And then we were continuing to build. And, you know, the first thing this, this is kind of like a lost chapter that, that we don't often talk about. Um, we had a show on be real TV for a little mm -hmm. bit, which was like mm -hmm. a live streaming thing. Um, and shout out to, uh, be real and shout out to DJ Nels, who was there at the time who, who kind of connected us. Um, that was sort of, we didn't know it at the time, but it certainly was setting the precedent for what was going to happen in 2020, which was when all of a sudden the idea of doing live shows totally got frozen. And all of a sudden we, we kind of skipped steps and we made it a TV show, albeit one that we were doing on our phones on Instagram live, you know? Mm. Now, let me ask you, was the two things. One was the, live show did, did the live show ever cross over in the beginning with the phone version the internet version or was it totally like hey we're dead here we've got to innovate yes it was that i mean we we would we were doing at the live events we were using and we'll use you were streaming I, it right we, we were streaming a little bit and we were also using a service where if you were there in the building you could play along on your phone so the scores were being tracked but the actual pivot to ig live was absolutely covid inspired and it was we had to cancel shows we mm -hmm. um and and we just didn't know what was going to happen and then the idea was just like well every we it appears maybe we're going to be locked inside maybe for a couple of weeks, a couple of months. <laughs> Who knows did, how did, long? It did you feel? Did you know, like with COVID, did you feel before you innovated? Did you feel like fuck? We we had some momentum going. Like 
I had, you know, we had a thing, like this might be totally fucked up. Like, honestly, was it that energy? Honestly, no, because the, there was such an air of uncertainty and I guess for lack of a better word, fear that like that was honestly the last thing I was thinking about. I, I, I don't know if it was the same for you and what it was like in Orlando. And, and I'd like to hear about that because I also want to hear how, um, you know, you had mentioned that COVID kind of uh, inspired or at least had an impact on your album. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, you know, in LA, I just remember, and I've talked to other people, we all remember the last day, like the, the day before everybody just basically went inside. And I remember leaving, I was working uh, on a TV show at the time over uh, at one of the, the network studios and leaving early, like it was kind of like, we were all were like, okay, everything needs to go. Like we need to take everything home right now. And like, you know, clearing the building. And I remember stopping at a grocery store and like doing a big food shopping trip to basically stock up. You were so, one of those. So you were one of the motherfuckers buying up all the toilet paper and shit and <laughs> nobody else could get none. No, no, no. I, I just was making sure that like I was I know well what kind stocked. of parents you had. No, huh, listen, listen. <laughs> Look, and you were in Florida. So, I mean, you guys were planning barbecues like, you know, <laughs> it, it, in roller skating rinks just to follow the, the announcement. But yeah, th there were there were greater concerns. Yeah. So I wasn't necessarily being like, oh man, like the questions. It was just like, well, like let's deal with all this first and then we'll figure it out and then what we did ultimately wind up doing is being like well let's do this on instagram you know and it it turned out i've said it many times in the past um it turned out to be the best thing it turned out to be so great because it, it broadened the reach and it broadened um the audience and we also had a captive audience for people mm -hmm. to watch we also had a captive audience of people to participate so it was, i think that's a that's a big key too because Gosh, what was I listening to? I was listening to a podcast t earlier today where they were talking about how the fascination with celebrity has cha changed during COVID and changed after COVID. And they were saying, like, because at one point, like, celebrities were like, we were all the same for a little while. You know, like everybody was sitting around, everybody was bored, everybody was like everybody, including the celebrities. So like celebrities kind of became like regular people for a stretch. And it's there's a they were talking about how there's a change to like what a celebrity is coming out of uh, COVID. So it's interesting that you kind of, you know, speak on the fact that who you could get to participate coming from a space where at the time, um, you know, like if if COVID doesn't happen, you you maybe don't have the same access to higher profile um, guests to come jump on that show. So yeah. how, how did the where did the idea even come from? Because like that's bold even, I think I, I actually thought not that I think I thought when you were doing it like, oh, Sean's out here like he's bold. <laughs> he's reaching out to some people like. What is so, the idea come from to re start reaching out to like some high profile guys to get involved? We had some promise shown to us even in the early days. The first one that we did at Blind Barber, that's Speakeasy, and I, I think I've told this story before, uh, Peanut Butter Wolf and some of the Stone's Throw staff came because they're right in the neighborhood. It, they, it's, it's right on the same block. And so he came, We had, somebody had run into him, I think Spider or, or Steve might have run into him and be like, hey, you should come through tonight. He was like, yeah, I'll come by after work. So they, they stopped by and then he showed us this group chat that he was in afterwards that he was taking screenshots to. And the group chat 
of the game he was sending images of the game and it was called like rap nerds and he was showing us it and it was premiere and it was quest love and it was just blaze and they were all like what is this well i want to play you know what how can we do this i think like biz marquee might have been in there too oh so man it was, what, yeah, a it was, what a group chat what a group chat right so we were like okay this is promising but yes to that to that point we wouldn't have necessarily had the access so when the pandemic began in the quarantine we were a couple of weeks went by and then it was kind of like all right let's do five shows in a week since we're all just home it, it was an impossible pace to keep up and i'm yeah. glad we didn't try to but it kind of just came from reaching out the first five guests that we had were um mad skills he was our first uh guest and he was somebody who had come to the la show so like we already he was down and like he he kept showing up to games and and it was like, okay, let, let's text him and see if he can do it on Monday. And then Tuesday was, I believe, Open Mike Eagle, another mm. guy who had mm -hmm. come to the live shows. He started mm -hmm. showing up to him. So it was like, okay, mm -hmm. well, maybe he'd be down. And then we had Merce on Wednesday. He was somebody that you know uh, Steve knew and I, I knew, and we were starting to build more of our friendship and relationship. And then we had um, Jensen Karp, who's uh, the creator of the Drop the Mic show that I was talking about mm -hmm. earlier. Mm -hmm. I, had, I just sort of texted him or, or reached out to him. I was like, hey, like... He he knew that I was doing a trivia show back in the before times. I was like, "You want to you want to do that?" And he was like, "Sure." And then the Friday we had uh, Je, uh, the producer who did Nelly's uh, first album, mm. and and okay. is is the homie. And I had worked with him, and Steve uh, knew him, and Spider knew him. So it was it started off like slightly ambitious, but also it was all sort of people that we had their numbers and we could right. just hit right. them up. And then as we continued to do that and we saw that people were tuning in and they were liking it, we were like, oh, let's do that. And the ill thing about um You probably Instagram, started to see people in in the in the live. And you're like That's exactly what it is. If it hadn't been IG Live, I don't know if it would have been as successful because the dope thing was that when Mad Skills would come on to the questions IG Live, everybody who follows Mad Skills yeah. would get the notification. And then they'd pop in. And then we would see them in the chat and we'd be like, holy shit, that's Alchemist is in the yeah, chat yeah, or, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or so-and-so. And, and then sometimes we would get a follow. And that, that was like a really exciting thing in the beginning where like afterwards, and we were like screen recording the phones because this, again, you have to remember, Instagram wasn't ready for <laughs> for what was about to happen. So like a lot of implementations and updates happened, but we were screen recording and like looking to see like who did we see <laughs> in the chat. And then it would it was such an exciting moment when we would get a follow. It's like, oh my God, you know was that DJ Quick? Did, did, DJ you, Quick? did you see DJ Quick? Was or he like, was he in like Yeah, or like Kid from Kid and Play just followed us. <laughs> like this is crazy, you know? So it, it grew organically, I would say it just so happened to be in a crazy moment in time where like that was organic, but like, when does that even fucking happen? Like there's, right. there's no way I would have ever predicted that it would have happened that way. So it was, it was really crazy to see. And then as we sort of made a more reasonable schedule, we like cut it down to three times a week and then two times a week. And then once a week, you know, it, it, you, gotta work through, you gotta work through the kinks. And it wound up being more than a couple of weeks. We, you know, at the time yeah. that we started it, we were like, okay, we'll be locked in for like maybe like three weeks, four weeks, and then back to normal. And then it started becoming more increasingly clear, like, oh, like this would might be the reality for a little bit. So that's kind this of this might be this might be a thing. So where in that process, you know, uh, did you? Well, first of all, let me just give more a little bit more context to the 
because the pandemic, like really what you have in a pandemic, you have a wild captive audience. There was nothing for nobody to do. There weren't, there weren't, you know, obviously everybody listening went through this, but there wasn't anything for anybody to do. And I think for the, for the hip hop head, I mean, I just remember like we were waiting for the the last dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, because it's like there's nothing to watch. Like I've watched everything on Netflix. You know what I'm saying? Like nothing's going on. So really what you had as a hip hop head was um, versus. <laughs> right. And and I want to D- say. DJ, uh, um, the live, who was doing the live DJ shows? There was a lot of people doing live DJ D-Nice. shows. D-Nice. I mean, D-Nice was definitely... The, the D-Nice shows, yeah. right. And the D-Nice shows. The quarantine sessions or whatever he was calling it. So D-Nice is doing doing that and, and Versus is happening. And honestly, from a hip-hop perspective, you're either checking out D-Nice or you're checking out Versus. And like, other than that, your content is really, really like at a standstill. And I think you were able to come in and fill a void, especially for like, you know, versus was one thing and, you know, D nice was another, but for like, to your point, the nerd head, you know, like this was a godsend to come on the internet at that time. You know, what's so, so crazy. I'm just looking at like the flyer and, uh, the first verses was March 24th, 2020. And the first questions was March 23rd, 2020. So we were like literally, now look, it obviously worked out a little bit better for Timbo and Swiss. They were able, you know, but, you know. but I remain confident that maybe we'll catch up uh, to them. Like it was, you know, well, it, it was just a crazy time. As we continue to talk about it, that confidence might be backed up by something because how, how in the universe did you transfer the idea of the question show to then, well, first, because I'm, I'm going I'm to drag this out a little bit. Okay. First, it goes from a show to a podcast. Right. The feed that you guys are currently listening to right now. So how do we go from quarantine version, because we've gone from live version to quarantine version, and then we go from quarantine version to podcast? Well, we, what actually happened was, and it's funny that I phrase it that way. Open Mike Eagle had started the Stony Island Audio Podcast Network um, with his show. What had shout happened? Out Open was. Mike Eagle. Yep. Shout out to him. And he had he had approached me. This was even before the pandemic. We had talked about working together and doing something. And he had originally said, "Do you want to do the questions as a podcast?" Mm. And I said to him, "No, I don't think that that works." Like uh, there were, I just. I didn't necessarily, or no, actually, that's not true. Let me, I, this was beforehand. And I was like, yes, I am interested in doing the questions as a podcast. And we were actually pitching to some like big people. He was trying to connect me and he was simultaneously also trying to pitch his show to mm-hmm. other places. And ultimately the decision was just made that like he was going to do it on his own independently. And then the pandemic sort of happened. I might be getting the timelines a little mixed up here because I don't remember if what had happened was with Prince Paul preceded the pandemic or not. But if, if it didn't, it was it was shortly thereafter. And then I came to him and I said, hey, I don't want to do the questions as a podcast because I still can't wrap my brain around it. But I have this idea called Can't Knock the Shuffle that I want to do, which Mm. I did two seasons of with him. And that kind of got me into the game of doing the podcast thing. And then from there, I just sort of started to realize, like, you know what? 
I should be doing something with the questions as a podcast because over the years that we were like, the world was shut down, it just became more and more cumbersome to watch and record on Instagram Live, especially as the world started to open back up. Right. It was like- People were now doing stuff. And like, look, much love to Instagram, but like to have to hold the phone, you can't open another app. It's on the whole time. If you get a call, you're all fucked up yep. in the game. Yep. So it was just like, okay, yeah, podcast makes more sense for this. I feel like I've built enough audience. And, you know, we only launched the podcast in um, February of 2022. So it's you know, it's like a year now that it's, it's, you know, been in a podcast form. And that was sort of, I was like, okay, we can continue to do, you know, the events as we do them. We can continue to um, do new ideas, like doing like the making Illmatic idea, which you came to me with, which mm -hmm. I just thought was like brilliant. I was like, yes, let, let's do this. This totally works. Mm -hmm. And then also using it as a way to archive and uh, kind of spotlight episodes that like, Hey, Yes, they're like technically, if you go to our Instagram page and scroll all the way fuck back, you can listen to like the Chub Rock episode. Right, but right. But here, presented to you, way easier, edited, audio adjusted a little bit. So that, that was kind of how it turned into podcast form. And it was in um, like late 2020, I believe, that I started coming up with the idea of uh, trying to turn this into a book. And it was, wow. I've told, I've told this story. Wait, I don't before. think I know. I don't think I know this part of the story. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I apologize for people who have heard this cause I know I've talked about it in a few forms before, but, um, I basically had done can't knock the shuffle. I think I had done the two seasons of that and I hit up my, uh, my home girl, Kathy Yandley, who is an amazing author. She did, She's a former guest on the questions. I'd love to get her on to do a making Illmatic as well. She Ooh, wrote um, she wrote the book with Prodigy, Prodigy's cookbook. So she was super tight with Prodigy. She um, is writing the Lil Kim uh, memoir that's coming mm. out. She did the Aaliyah, um, you know, book. She did uh, God Save the Queens, which is all about like the spotlight and history of women in hip hop. So I came to her and I was like, "Hey, I have this can't knock the shuffle thing, and I want to know two things from you." I want to know how do I self-publish it, and and yeah, the, I mean that was it. It was like I want I want to. Sorry, I, it was one thing. It was how do I self-publish? <laughs> how the fuck do I get this out? Yeah, how, how do I how do I self-publish? Can't knock the shuffle. And she humored me, and she sort of listened to me, and was like, "Okay, this is how you could do it." Da da da. But I have two things for you to think about. One, why self-publish? Like, why not try to go the publishing route and like, go through a mm -hmm. publisher? I was like, okay, well, because I'm a I'm a DIY musician and I have to do everything myself and that right. and then right. she was like, and then secondly, can't knock the shovel is great, but you also have this whole other property that you've been doing, the hip hop trivia thing. Why not also try to do something with that? And you know, I actually said to her, I was like, well, you know, I actually that doesn't really make sense for me because I really want this to be a TV show eventually. Right, and she was like, right. listen, you fucking idiot that like she didn't say it that way but she was like this Pretty is much. a great way to do that so i was like okay well yeah and she kind of put me onto game like this is how you put together a pitch this is how you know you format it this is the type mm -hmm. of thing and she's like you know take these notes and figure out how you want to do it and then 
I can pass it to some people if you feel good about it. And, you know, like I can't, she's, she doesn't have like the golden ticket or anything. But right, she's like, but I, I can I put can it try in front to, of somebody. Exactly. And so she did. And then uh, I got with an agent who wound up really liking it. And then he uh, pitched it to Penguin Random House and they loved it. And 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 the only caveat being that it would not be a book. They were like, "Hey, uh, how about we make your game into a game instead of a <laughs> book?" And I was like, "That is another great note." And I will, we're, I will take it. You know what's funny about this, and I and I know this being an artist myself. Um, it's not it's not the most awesome feeling when people start going, "Yeah, how about we take this song and like put a new beat on it?" <laughs> and you're like. Well, no, it doesn't work with the other beat. And they're like, no, 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 no. It, it's going to work just fine. Like, how did you deal with, like, the, hey, let's do it this way. Let's do it this way. Like, when you, when you, because I know as artists, you can have a vision that kind of, you know, you, you can get tunnel vision on. I think that I have bled for a lot of things already, and I think I've kind of bled out. Like, and some might say that I've like lost my artistic integrity, but I don't think that's it. And I think that there are some projects that I would be more perhaps protective and precious about. But for other things, I think that I just sort of have a more sobered, uh, like a more sober perspective on how a lot of things work. Where it's like everything has to be a collaboration, especially if you want people to get behind it. And people will feel more excited about something if they do feel like they've had a hand on it. So, you know, none of these things were like wildly outside of the scope mm -hmm. of what the idea was. So I was kind of open to it. Um, I, I didn't feel a lot of pushback. And I was mostly just interested because to my mind, I was like, well, sometimes other perspectives can be useful, you know, mm. in terms of providing you direction so i i didn't feel any trepidation about it i just was like all right bet you you feel like that's good let me explore it you know like if i hit a spot in the road where i feel like oh this is prohibitively not a great idea i'll push back on it but i was kind of more open to being like okay because i'd done a lot of tv shows and and doing these tv shows had kind of shown me how collaborative it is and how much a thing can change sometimes for the better sometimes for the worse but Ultimately, it's very rare that you have like the single-minded vision Svengali who's like, right. uh, I this is how I pictured it and this is how it turned out. Exactly. Like A and B <laughs> it, it's the same. So I, I think I was relatively open about it. Hey, 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 what's happening? This is Parker Edison of the Parker Edison Project on KPBS, a podcast that zooms way in on what really makes a culture. Food, music, sex, fashion, all of that. Join me for the Parker Edison Project, a sonic exploration that starts with a thought and ends with a musical bang. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hip hop in the 90s. It was incredible. It was groundbreaking. And let's be honest here, sometimes it was weird. Gold Rush is Stupid Fly Media's latest hip hop podcast. Each week, your host, Sean Kantrowitz, that's me, will be uncovering a different topic from the golden era of hip hop. Some of it will hold a special place in your heart. Some of it will be a subject you may have forgotten about. And some of it, well, some of it we're still looking back and wondering, how the hell did this happen? And we won't be going on this journey alone. Each episode features in-depth, brand new 
interviews with the artists, producers, eyewitnesses, and key behind-the-scenes players of the golden era, including Graham Pooba, Del the Funky Homo Sapien, DJ Evil D, Fatlip from the Far Side, Hank Shockley of the Bomb Squad, Young MC, David Faustino, Merce, and many more. We all have great memories about 90s hip-hop, but you've never heard a podcast that looks back at it like this. Gold Rush, coming February 7th. Subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe and follow at Stupid Fly Media and at Hip Hop Gold Rush for more updates and exclusive content. So, how do you like now that now that we've gotten to the point where it's a game? And I'm actually gonna ask you a, a couple things about the game itself in a second. But now that we're at the point that it is a game, how do you feel about the property? now and looking forward because now the property is a whole different thing than the property was when you first created it so how do you feel about it where where i mean without giving because you're not going to tell us because <laughs> we already established that you keep everything close to the vest yeah. what where do you kind of see the property even going from here yeah it feels amazing. I'm so happy. You know, I spent many years working. I was, you know, I've always been the primary writer of the questions, even from the beginning. Um, and as the years went on, I sort of assumed more of the the responsibilities and sort of steering the ship on it, um, which is to take nothing away from everybody who helped. And, you know, I also got to give a shout out to Double O and uh, Natalie uh, Garcia Mayor and DJ Marquis and and nope and and spider and steve uh, it it just you know was it it took a lot of people to get here and you know mm-hmm. i it was an honor to to work with them and to see it to see it out now and to see it being embraced already uh it's just extremely fulfilling it, it's just very gratifying and i'm excited and i see you know people talking about playing it with their kids playing it with their families and i'm seeing like you know, a lot of DJs and fans and artists and all these people latching onto it. And I'm very excited. And I, you know, they, we're putting this out in the year 2023 to coincide with the 50th birthday of hip hop. Mm-hmm. And I think there's going to be a lot of synergy. Uh, there was uh, a, a, a photo museum in New York. Uh, it's called Photographiska. I might be mispronouncing that, but Mass Appeal did a big opening there the other night and Nas performed and they were selling the game yeah, there. I did, see, the, I did the, see that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the game is being sold in the gift shop there. So it was just like, okay, like this is this is cool. You know, And on the of, complete flip side, I walked into I walked into a bar the other day and the bar had the game in the bar. Really? Yeah, the commission beer chamber. Big shout out. Wow. Shout As out to I the walked commission. in, I was greeted with, look. Yep. And yeah. I was like, fucking great. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So it's exciting. So both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and, and I'm, I'm happy for all of it. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's all love, but yes, you know, I'm definitely looking forward. Uh, you know, we've got a great thing with the podcast continuing to do that. You know, we're making a lot of people excited and upset with the making Illmatic series oh, yeah. which like you know i'll say this on the record because i've said it to you before i have so much fucking fun doing that with you and it's, it's the such, most fun it's, it's the such most a it's such a great concept we on a weekly basis it's such a great concept that you came up with and it's also so great because it's just a way for us to hang out in a way that we don't get to do as often now that we live on opposite sides of the country right um, so like it means a lot to me but yeah like 
you know, I see continuing to grow that. I see uh, we're definitely going to be doing live events again. Um, it's sort of the triumphant return, but we're going to be doing things, I think, with an even more enhanced It'll be tied spin. into the it, It'll the be game, tied game. into that. And, and, you know, just to A and B it, when we were doing events before, this was like a thing that we did in bars that most people outside of L.A. didn't really know about, and it was a thing. And now we've done it. I'm over 140 episodes into the show. We've had all these guests. People from all over the world have watched it. So, like, there's there's going to be certain additions that we um, add to the experience that I think people are really going to like. And yeah, I mean, you know, my hope is just to continue to grow it. I'm going to be as uh, as as vague as possible because again, I I don't do details until the ink has dried. But there's a lot of exciting things uh, on on deck, and I'm just extremely grateful and humbled. Um, I actually, I don't know if I'm humbled. This is a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> humbled is not really used correctly. Like, mm. I, I don't know if you've ever read this, but like you're humbled when something happens to you that like kind of like pushes you down in the dirt. Mm. And, but people often say humbled and I just did like when I think they really mean to say like, I'm honored or yeah, I'm, yeah, I right, feel, yeah, right. I'm, I'm honored. I'm not humbled because like, I'd be humbled if I thought this was going to be great. And then like and then it was it, trashed and, then, yeah. and nobody mm -hmm. bought it. Like, so Yeah. Uh, I'm just really excited. And, um, you know, on a broader level, I just don't think there's ever been a better time to be an obsessive hip hop fan than now. Because there's so many things, again, like talking about Mass Appeal, the documentaries and things that they've been making. Yeah, it's a different world now than we grew up in as it's far as being hip hop fans. Yeah, and, and, and everybody who is in the boardroom now was a fan in right. the 90s. Like, that's right. just how the time works. I was talking to my dad about um, something like listening uh, or, or a television show. He was talking about like, oh, like Good Morning America or something. He's like, yeah, but probably like the hip hop audience doesn't really watch like Good Morning America. And I was like, dad, like hip hop's turning 50 years old this right. year. So right. basically- The, the hip hop you, audience does a lot of things that you probably don't think they do. It's way wider because it's like, think about it. It's been around 50 years. So like if you were 10 years old when hip hop came out, like you're 60 it's years old It's also popular culture. I mean, hip hop is popular culture. So 100%. it's our culture, but it's popular culture. And like, you know, like in my head, this is going to turn into like how Monopoly. So I walked into a, a, a Target the other day and they had a Puerto Rican version of Monopoly, not a Spanish version, a a, port, a specific Puerto Rican version. Right. And I was like, yo, this is this a version of Monopoly for everything. There's a. You know, like uh, I have in here somewhere, uh, Motownopoly. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's actually our good friend Temperamentals. He left it here. Uh, he'll never Sounds get it back. Like yeah, but never. Motownopoly is a is is a thing. So, are we looking at different versions of the questions? I can say now that we are going to create a version, exact same version of the game, but only marketed to Puerto Ricans. It's going to be. <laughs> There's going to be no difference, and we're going to enforce it. Like, there's going to be somebody there making sure that there's no purchases. If, if, if being you're made. not, if you're not 82 percent Puerto Rican, you can't even purchase it. Look, I don't make the rules, even though I just sort of announced it as though it was my own thing. No, uh, yeah, I, I certainly look. Uh, Questlove just posted it, uh, you know, a couple Shout of weeks Questlove. back. Shout out to Questlove, and he said, "I was glad he said it." He was like. Everybody buy this because I want Sean to do expansion packs, and yeah, I 100% want to do expansion packs. So yeah, it's it because it, we a need lot. A, we need a specific Dirty South questions. 
We can right? even get more specific than that, though, because like back in the day of doing the live events, we did like the Wu Tang night. The Wu Tang night, and you would have thought that the Wu Tang was there. The the level of energy for the W. We did like the Tribe night, bonkers. The Tribe we, night. We, you know, we're we're doing this month in L.A. We're doing a Jay Dilla um, night, and we're also doing Dre Day L.A. Where it's all going to be. We're going to do like the twenty sack period uh, pyramid. Oh man! So there's there's so many ways we could do it. And um, I'm excited for all of it. For, from really a nerd, exciting. from a nerd perspective, how the fuck did you come up with all these questions, bro? Like, what's really good? You know, I never would have predicted that I would do this. I and are say, you a hip hop bible, a walking hip hop bible? <laughs> I uh, have already been criticized by some people who feel that I'm out of pocket for self describing myself as a hip hop brainiac. So I'm no longer going to okay. use cool buzzwords because my friends make fun of me yeah. uh, in text messages. But yeah, I don't know how it happened. I just kind of started doing it. I think it just stemmed from loving liner notes and knowing things and like coming up with cool factoids. And it almost became a weird muscle memory that as we continued to do more and more, it almost felt like the montage in like a Marvel superhero movie mm. where I was like, I'm just getting better and better at writing questions. This used to take me like two hours and now I'm doing it in an hour. And now I just did it in 45 minutes and now I can write a game in 30 minutes. Like it's kind of this thing where I, I developed this ability. <laughs> it sounds like so pretentious, but like I just started getting really good at, at writing questions and thinking about it. And, you know, I was telling, I was on a dad bod rap behind, um, a couple weeks ago and, you know, yeah, sometimes I'll do things like I'll listen to music and see if that mm. inspires me or I'll go on Genius or I'll go on Wikipedia and just sort of see if anything kind of like triggers it. But yeah, I, I, there's a healthy library of questions um, that I'm continuing to add to. So it's... How are you, how are you dealing with the, uh, the critics? I mean, I'm... You know, the reason why I ask that is because hip hop is a... It's, you know, especially this this sect that we're in, you know, it's 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 guarded by some gatekeepers, right? So, like, there's probably a lot of people out there, A, you don't belong, A, what do you know, A, you know, all that type of shit. So, how, yeah. how's that life going? Okay, see, now I feel like the interview is actually starting because th th all of this other stuff has been stuff that I've talked about or thought about, and it's all, like, this is a... This is a major concern I actually have because, Let's get like, it. because I I do honestly, um, I am a white man and I am participating in what is undeniably at its core a black culture. Mm -hmm. It just is. And and shout out to the Puerto Ricans and the Asians and shout the white to, people. Right, they who, were there. Who, they were. They, they were, were there. all there. They're, and we've all been there. But yeah, you know I. I haven't encountered that yet. And, you know, we'll clip this out and hopefully this becomes the beacon, the, the lighthouse for people uh -oh. to just attack me and, and you know. Um, but, yeah, you I don't know. Encountered it? That's because you haven't replied to my DMs. Right, right, right. I don't shit. know. Like, like that, that's something that I haven't encountered, but I, it's being done as a celebration of this music. And I'm certainly not, you know, trying to exploit it in any way. It's really just a celebration of all these things. But... That is a concern that I have, like, you know, and, and I don't know, I don't know what to do with said conflict if and when it happens, but just sort of reply genuinely and honestly and also listen to what they have to say. But I don't know. What do you think? Like, what, 
What's the what's your sort of read on on white people in hip hop? Well, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I, I'm I'm not as um, I think you know from from the perspective of a kid who came up in the culture. I'm also, but I came up around a lot of different cultures in in the culture, so it's it's hard for me to be. To, to be a gatekeeper in that way. My biggest thing is less about race and more about where your stripes, how did you participate? Because again, like that term being outside, like I, I be wanting to know that the people that are talking about this culture were really active participants in it and actively active consumers of it, um, you know, in more than just a superficial way where the things that we talk about, and, 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 and a lot of this for me is like the, the, opin- the opinion guys, because the thing that you're doing isn't, an, isn't it's not opinion based. I mean, that's more, I think that's where you kind of, this, this kind of maybe might slip past some some critics in that way is that it's not really you giving your opinions on hip hop it's you talking more in fact about mm. about about hip hop but i think sometimes from critics i mean excuse me from opinion uh heads talking heads you know it gets it gets funny because it's like yeah but like you know, bought six CDs in college, bro. Like, I don't yeah. think you really fucking know anything about what you're talking about. So, like, so, and, and I see a lot of those guys on Twitter. Um, I see a lot of those guys on Twitter. But see, the flip is a lot of them dudes is black too. So, right. you know, and I, I could I, I spot them. I spot them just as easy as I spot the other ones. So, I, I I think from my perspective, I just always come from the thought process of be be a steward of the culture um, in a real way. And we can tell, like, I think for you, you get the, uh, speaking from my perspective, you get the, the support of a mad skills, a quest love, you know, all these different people who have lent their support to what you're doing because you have been vetted. You know what I'm saying? And you have been vetted and you have been listed as being authentic. And these people um, see the, 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 authentic, the authenticity in, in what you're doing. But you don't get those cosigns without being vetted. You know what I mean? So I yeah. think you're already in a safe space. Yeah. And, you know, like it's something that I don't necessarily ever think to advertise because in my mind, it almost seems contrived to have to point out to people that I was outside. I, I right. have been going to these events for over two decades and, right. and that, and that, you know, promoting shows or, or putting together albums or, or being sort of a piece. Cause you know, also coming up in South Florida, it was very, you know, diverse and, yeah. and it was a melting right. pot, but you know, I just, I think 
Look, there's nobody more protective uh, against white assailants onto the culture of hip hop than other white guys. So, you know, yeah. I, I definitely this, have people. Actually, this is a super fact, by the way. Yeah, no, it's just it, it's just a fact, exactly. But you know, I, when I whenever I see that, it sort of comes across as posturing as well. So that's not anything I ever, you know, endeavor to do. But I do think that you do have some points about it being less of a opinion and like it's not. It's not my place to, I don't think that there's really much value in anybody saying what's good and what's bad when it comes to art. So let alone if you're doing it from a, from an outside perspective in terms of like your background and your culture and being like, you're not doing the thing that, you know, has historically been associated with people who look like you. I'm telling you that it's wrong. Cause I, man, I fucking, a lot of like online social media, hip hop accounts are trash. And a lot yeah. of them, a lot of them come at it with a with what actually does seem to steer away from opinion and is presented under the guise of being more factual but it's almost done in an academic way where it seems like a scientist looking at something under a microscope right right you, i think you know like the ones i'm talking about where it's like oh like the kendrick lamar album came out did you know that 37 percent of kendrick lamar's lyrics on this album refer right. to guns and 45 presented right. it it's like this is so textbook and academic in a way that feels grossly removed from the actual spirit of what the music is intended to be presented as this sounds like you're doing a fucking science project on yeah something. i'm not i'll tell you from an artist's perspective i'm not with that shit I'm not, I, and, and and the reason why is because when you turn music into numbers, it removes the story, and and to me, it's it's all about the story, like it removes the feeling, and to me, it's all about the feeling, right? So like, there's a lot of accounts now. There's a lot of hip hop uh, accounts, Twitter and Instagram accounts, where they break down data um, in in raps and stuff. And, and, and it's not that I disrespect it. Like, I, I'm, it's cool as another piece of content, but I feel, but I also feel like this is a tough, yeah, without the story though, like, yeah, but you got to give the, like, all right, you're going to break down a percentage of times that Kendrick talked about a you know, guns in a in a song, but like, what's the or in a in an album? But what's the story behind that? Like, right. without the story, to me, the fact is pointless. Well, yeah, uh, like, it's like I, it's, I like like it's somebody... got to be the front of a card and the back of the card. You know what right. I mean? It's like coming to somebody and being like, "Yo, how was the uh, how's that new Raekwon album? Like, what what's the sound of it?" And somebody being like, "Well, the first track is ninety two beats per minute. The second track is ninety six <laughs> right. beats per minute. Then he goes down to eighty seven beats per minute. It's like, okay, these are all technically true, and I suppose it's interesting as a piece of a whole. But like to make that the whole identity and focus seems to just to me it it grossly misses the point." It does. So. It does. It it th it throws me off a bit. Now, with that being said, my my uh, my last really thought process for you is sticking on the idea of critics. Any of these any of these uh, facts been challenged? <laughs> I there have been a couple times in the course of the games where there and I I don't recall any of them, but there have been a few things that we put. Especially early on, it's gotta and then be later. scary. Like now, I'm thinking about it. It's gotta be scary to go public with facts. It's 
extremely frightening, especially in a, especially in a world where I know Dart Adams exists and Dart Adams <laughs> knows that Dart I Adams. exist. Yeah. So, and shout out to Dart, former guest on the show. Have done yeah, a couple things with Dart. him. It's my guy. I, I mean, fuck the 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 doc side, like you know, yeah, volume one, right? Uh, yeah, volume two. I think. Volume two. Volume two. Yeah. Yeah. It's my guy, though. A lot of um, love for Dark. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely want to be cognizant of the fact that I'm making sure that I'm doing my research. But, you know, as somebody who has worked as a journalist at various points, as somebody who has worked in, in other sort of attention, detailed, and driven projects and endeavors, you got to make sure that you do a couple revisions. You got to make sure that you're, you know, even catching typos on things. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all of these things. Did they matter? Where, yeah, the details matter. So I can't think of anything that has like recently stood out, but especially the, the ones that I get the most nervous about is like the sample-based questions because a lot of times we're leaning on either credits, which is better, or who sampled, which is very useful, but not always comprehensive it's, and correct. Hey, and listen, so these things... I can I can tell you firsthand. So I got a bunch of stuff that's on Genius. Um, it's probably all wrong, right? It's a struggle, man. <laughs> I'm reading this stuff back, and I'm like, Ugh, that's 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 first of all, that's not what I said. Second of all, that's not what I meant. Um, and then if like, they get those wrong, then the hip hop data guys are going to get your percentages wrong, and they're going to think you talked about vegetables eighteen percent when it was actually seventeen percent. You know, you all fucked yeah, up. Yeah, and then and then so just a quick anecdote on um, on uh, who sampled. So for the Dockside second mixtape, the one that we did in collaboration with Dart Adams. Uh, Zarism and I did a joint called uh, I Rep For You, which we rapped on the a loop that we pulled from the Jizza album that is a Ka song. It's a, it, Ka has a solo record on the Jizza Pro Tools album. Yeah. We took that loop, and because uh, Ka says on the song, I Rep For You. So we took that loop and we took when he said I rep for you and turned that into a hook. It's just a freestyle joint. It was just us freestyling, whatever. It's a mixtape, whatever. How about that ends up on who sampled? That one song, of all the songs on the mixtape, that song is on who sampled. And it has us sampling the, the, the original, the original uh, artist. Yeah. But we didn't sample the original artist. Right. We literally stole the beat. It's a stolen <laughs> beat. It's it's a Rock Marcy beat. We rapped over the beat. So, right. you know, there's some when you're trying to figure shit out too much, it it it, it, it sometimes it gets fucked up and that's an that's a specific idea of like one time where it's super fucked up. <laughs> Come back next week to hear the second part in my conversation with Midas, in which we talk about his writing process, the pretty crazy life events that inspired and cast a lot of influence on this record, and a lot more. Big shout out to the Questions Patreon. Appreciate your support as always, and I invite anybody who wants to support the show and get some cool free bonus pieces of content each week to join up. 
The Questions is a member of the Stony Island Audio Collective. Shout out to the Dad Bod Rap Pod who recently had me on their show. The show's theme is by Midas the Beast and Czarism. I'll see you next time. Peace. <laughs>